Okay, here we go on the board, episode two, July 21st, and we're glad to be back with you here on the board. This is the fun part of live radio, okay? So episode two, we're still trying to figure things out, still used to the schedule, and here we go in a situation to where I walk in the door at what, 7.59 <laughs> uh, for an eight o'clock show, and so uh, here we are luckily, and we're on the air, and we're ready to go. Okay, so last night was the debut show, by the way. Just listen to the end of the OTR Sports Show. I uh, appreciate the shout-out there on that show, and I'm uh, looking forward to working with these guys. We mentioned last night, as we talked about um, the talent on the bench and how excited we are to be a part of the bench sports. The OTR show is great. I'm excited about tonight. Uh, it, you know, two more hours after us. Uh, we're here for our, two hour, for our hour and then two more, and so it's going to be a fun night here on the bench sports and we're excited about it. So with all that said, Josh, how are you tonight? Doing well? Oh, heck yeah, man. Like, I am pumped, like, because we're going to be talking a little bit more uh, NFL today. Um, you know, like you said, walked in the door at 7.59 on air at, at 8.01. That's not bad. It wasn't bad. Uh, not ideal. Uh, not the way we want to go, but it is what it is. So uh, just full disclosure, keep it real like we do, uh, I was actually playing in a golf tournament this afternoon, and uh, went a little long, a few more teams than expected. I did finish in second place, though, by the way. I, I mean, mean, that's the first loser. It is the first loser, still a little money. Uh, Nine-hole nine scramble here in our little local course, nine-hole course. We shot six under, by the way. Uh, three birdies to close out the round, six under. Uh, I'll take it. Uh, glad to get the win, or, or at least to win some money. Well, I we've guess. been talking about the, the Olympic badminton team. I mean, you keep shooting six under, I mean – Maybe Olympic golf? Yeah, probably not Olympic golf uh, in the works for me. But let's jump into it. Let's talk about, uh, real quick, I, I do, I, there's some, some things. I, it's funny because you and I talk in the morning about what we're going to talk about in our hour. And some news broke today that we want to talk about a little college athletics. And we'll get to that in a minute. But I, let's go ahead and start here. Let's start with the finals. We talked about it on the air last night and how it was really a unique finals. Not a lot of star power, two smaller, I say small market, mid-market, I guess, cities. I don't really know the classifications and what justifies small versus medium. Um, but anyway, the Bucks did win that one, game six last night. Giannis with 50 points, 14 boards, I believe is where we were. And so uh, just a, you know, when you think back to the fact that um, Giannis – if you remember back in the Hawks series, had that injury, you know, where we thought maybe he wasn't going to make it. You know, we weren't sure how often he was going to play or how when he would get back to playing. Um, and he comes back and just has a phenomenal NBA Finals. And the Bucks win their second uh, Finals in franchise history. I think the first since 1974, I believe, it was last 71 or 74. Uh, and, and you know, as we talked about last night, it, it just kind of back to team basketball, you know, and. And we mentioned the Drew Holiday play back in game four. Uh, Chris Middleton had his moments, but Giannis last night, just phenomenal with 50 points. Well, and, and we mentioned that Drew Holiday play. Uh, I completely forgot the block of, of Giannis on Aiton in the game before that um, there at the end. And so, I mean, listen, Giannis, that dude, like we talked about the lack of star power. 
Like, the Greek Freak may have enough star power that, like, that's all they needed in this finals. Um, you know, yeah, we talked about the viewership, but, like, like Giannis is there, man. Like, I remember when he came into the league, this little scrawny kid, um, weird haircut. Uh, and, and, and I mean, like you looked at him and you're like, there, there's no way this guy is, is kind of even halfway what they're saying he is. And, you know, the fact that, you know, this is, he's what three people that have won defensive player of the year and finals MVP or something yeah, like that. Not many. Um, you know, it, it, it is, it's impressive what he's done and it's even more impressive that he's done it in Milwaukee. You know, I know the narrative a lot has been – I was actually just listening to a little talk radio this afternoon, and they were talking about Chris Paul and his legacy. But what about Giannis? Because the guy's a young guy, right? I mean, uh, got a lot of years left in him as long as he can stay healthy. I guess two questions I'll ask you, and I'll kind of give you my thoughts after you answer. But number one, is he the man now in the NBA? Like, is it Giannis's league now? And where does he go from here? Like, is he going to be satisfied staying in Milwaukee and doing his thing? I heard some – Another sports guy on the radio today talking about how uh, these super teams, like we talked about last night, and how we don't think they're good for the league, and is he going to do that? The Bucks, by the way, are not a super team. I know people – I heard some people today comparing it to them, but having Chris Milton and Drew Holiday doesn't quite – I mean, those are home – well, Holiday's a free agent, but they brought in Milton a long time ago before he was what he is now. They drafted Giannis. Uh, I just think that uh, – I, I don't know if it's his league, but do you think Giannis is the torchbearer of the league, and what is what does he do next? What is, how does he follow it up? And, and so, you know, you presented that question to me this morning, and I thought about it quite a bit. And, and yes, if, if Giannis is not at the top of the mountain, like he's one of those top guys, like he's reaching for it. Um, but, but one thing that we always get caught up in, um, and I'll, I'll even say especially in sports, is always trying to crown the next guy. Yeah. Um, you know, we do get so caught up in, well, this, is, this guy's the GOAT, this guy's this. Like, Giannis, to me, Giannis, is, he, he's the man. Like, and the fact that that dude decided, you know what, I'm going to Chick-fil-A. I'm going to order 50 <laughs> uh, mini chicken biscuits to celebrate. Yeah. Like, to me, like, like he, he's genuinely a good dude, and, and he is a face of the NBA. Um, you know, I, I think even more so than like a Harden or anything like that. But when you talk about you, you talk about like the guys that you look to, you think about when you think NBA, he's one of them. Durant's one of them. You know, you've always got old Bron Bron, um, and and Curry. Uh, you, these guys are changing the game. Just like Curry, you know, made the three point shot famous. You know, Giannis has that Euro step. Like, there's mm. always something with some guy that's going to make them different. And Giannis, like a big man doing what he does, like, it, it's it's unheard of. It's crazy. And what about the dunk at the end of game five? Or, or That was four, rather. That was the end of game four, the breakaway dunk. Just a great thing. You know, I don't know if he's the – I'm glad you said that because a lot of times we get caught up in, in wanting to find out who the greatest is. Like, who's the man? I know I'm the one that asked the question, so I guess I kind of feel like a hypocrite here. But – not so much who's the man, but just enjoy the time of the, of the league right now where there's so many guys in there that are good players. I mean, there's a lot of good players in there, young talent. We talked last night. We're not diehard NBA guys. We don't watch it religiously. We don't, you know, I, there's a lot of things about it I don't know, but I do know that on there are a lot of different guys now. And you don't have to have the guy, but we're all, you, you're right. We're always trying to make a guy. And uh, it was LeBron for the longest time, and now – 
as LeBron gets older and he starts to kind of – I mean, you got to think LeBron just came out with, with Space Jam, right? And so he's still not even being talked about right now. Yeah, but LeBron went two for three in Space Jam. Jordan <laughs> went like 22 for 22. Like everybody's seen the box scores of the two times that the Toon Squad had to take on the Goon Squad. I, I mean, if we're talking that, Jordan, Jordan's the GOAT. Um, you know, when it comes to playing beside Bugs. Um, and, and, yes, I'm joking. But, I mean, if you really think about it, like we are, we're, we're trying to crown that next guy. And, and I, I, the fact that we're not NBA guys, um, to me, you know, we're able to kind of look at it from the outside more. And, and to me, you know, it's not just one guy at the top of, of the NBA world. You know, it's, it's all these guys collectively making the NBA what it is. Real quick, want to thank Ethan uh, from the OTR Sports Show. Uh, I, I'm trying to go back and look, make sure I was thinking the right guy. But thanks to Ethan for kind of plugging us. I'm glad Ethan's listening in tonight for the first time. It is episode two for us here on On the Board on the Bench Sports app, and we're excited to be here. Okay, let's move along. And I want to talk about uh, a couple of college things, one that we planned on talking about and one that we didn't. Okay, yesterday, of course, SEC media days are going on this week uh, over in, uh, in Birmingham, I believe is where they're at right now. And uh, Nick Saban mentioned to reporters yesterday that Bryce Young, incoming freshman for the Crimson Tide, uh, is already near a million dollars. He didn't say a million dollars. What he said was he's almost at seven digits in endorsements in the NIL, uh, name, image, and likeness, the new rules that took place starting July 1st for college athletes. And, you know, I I don't know, man. Like, that kind of bothers me a little bit. Like, I guess you're the quarterback at Alabama, and it just goes to show all the people who were worried about, okay, does 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 it give an advantage to bigger schools, right? Like, is it an advantage to Alabama that their quarterback is going to make a million dollars endorsements? And the answer is obviously a resounding yes. Like, if your quarterback's already at a million dollars and he's never taken a snap, I mean, he's not Trevor Lawrence, right? I mean, I know Bryce – look, Bryce Young's going to be a good player, whatever. But to me, it kind of starts going against what the rule is for. Well, and, and think about it too, the King kid down in Miami. Like those those schools in in those bigger markets um, are going to be able to to bring in guys that maybe they couldn't bring in before, just because they're going to be able to say, hey, listen, like you have this opportunity if you come here. You know, if you honestly think about it, like think about heck, think think about back when USC was good. I know. Yeah, you may not have to go back. Like, we're not going back 30 years here. But think about USC being good. Think about Reggie Bush, Matt Leinart. Like, think about those guys and what they could have done there in California. Like, like those guys would have been banking. Like, I mean, some of them were. Um, but, but, like, those guys could have been banking. Terrell Pryor would have never gotten in trouble. Those Ohio State guys would have never gotten in trouble if this was in place. Um, but I'm, I love it. Like, I personally love it. Um, you know, you see a guy, uh, I, I may be getting his first name wrong, but think about guys like Marcus Lattimore. Um, yeah, he did make it to the NFL, but that dude blew out both of his knees in college, got to the NFL, didn't really get to do anything. Yeah, he got he got some checks. <laughs> um, but, but at the same time, think about guys like that. You know, for every, you know, for every Trevor Lawrence, there's probably five to 10 to, to 20 to 30 – I'm, there's stats out there yeah. that are guys that aren't getting paid at that next level, um, and and those may those may not be the guys that are getting anything at co- in college either with the with the NIL, but they at least have the opportunity to. 
Yeah, I, I guess what bothers me is when you're paying guys who haven't done anything yet, to me what you're doing is you're not making it about endorsing guys and letting people on the free market. That's what players wanted. They want to be able to make money based on who they are and what they do. And that's – I mean – you mentioned Derek King earlier at Miami. Like, at least he's played and had a little success. I mean, he hadn't won a Heisman or anything, but he's been a successful quarterback. Look at Hersey Miller, Master P's son, right? It, it, the dude's never even stepped in a college classroom. He signed a $2 million endorsement deal. Well, and, and you've got the guy, um, and I think it's an offensive lineman, maybe for Wisconsin. Um, you've got that guy. He's now able to go and, like, go do music gigs. Yeah. Um, you yeah. know, and, and it's stuff like that that I, that I think – a lot of the players are are more pumped up about. You're gonna have those big name guys or those those guys that are at those big time programs that obviously are gonna kill it. Um, then you're gonna have the guys that are just trying to sell sell some t-shirts, um, you know. And, and in that case, you know, be able to actually go do something as him that that 98% of other people in the world would get to do anyway. So, yeah, I, I just uh, man, we'll see what happens. I think. The, the 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 cynic in me when it comes to this is saying now you're really given that you're really going to separate the haves from the have-nots and what you're saying is right like this rule to me was intended for guys to be able to make money and not be hungry while they're in college okay right. all right so I'll ask you this question go ahead what were you going to say well, I'll let you ask the question because we may be going down that road so here's what I'll ask you if if this rule would have been in effect forever all the college athletics since the, since the beginning of time in college athletics, if there had been name, image, and likeness rules in place like they are today, what college athlete could make the most money? If Bryce Young can make a million dollars, who else could have just raked in the money? Well, I'm going to go with basketball. And in his one year, he, he couldn't have raked in probably the <laughs> most ever. But I'm going to go Zion. You think Zion getting something with Nike, like getting uh, that dude, like he was NCAA basketball. You know, we're talking about the face of the NBA. Like Zion was NCAA basketball. He was NCAA basketball before he was in the NCAA. Um, and, and I think that dude, man, and, and, and second on my list, and it was hard to not put him on here, but I have a reason for it, would have probably been Johnny Football. Yeah. Um, and now – where I was going to go before you asked the question was, you know, if you think about it, Johnny Manziel, he probably would have never made a dime in the NFL had this been in place. Because, and, and I'm, I am bashing Johnny Manziel at this point. People would have realized he was an idiot a whole lot sooner than <laughs> he was. Yeah. You know, I, I agree with you, Zion. Here's the thing you got to think about. When you talk about this, okay, it, it, of all time, right? Like, who would make the most money? You got to consider the era they're in. Zion's a pretty good pick. I mean, you're at a point where social media kind of made Zion even a bigger deal because everybody knew him in high school, right? He played uh, at Duke, at the best basketball school in the country. Don't at me, bro. I mean, it's the truth. Duke is the basketball school. Um, and so, yeah, Zion's a good pick because I think you're right. Zion, uh, just based on his popularity, would have made a lot of money. If he would have stayed, and, and would it have enticed him to stay more than a year? Probably not. I mean, but if he's making two million in college, why not? You know what I mean? Like, well, well and, and here's the deal: this this is also going to entice those guys that are borderline. Those guys you hear about, like I just got to get something done for my mama. Like I like those guys. 
that's going to get those guys to stay in maybe that extra year instead of trying and, and becoming an undrafted free agent in whatever sport they play and then trying to latch on with the team. They may stay that extra year because they do have a chance to make a little bit of money and, like you said, not go hungry in college. Football is the king of the money, right? And so, to me, it's got to be a football player and it's got to be a quarterback. Two come to mind. The first one, I think, that would have made the most money – it, it would have been hard because he was in college probably a little too long ago to make just a ton of money, but Tim Tebow is the guy that everybody was in love with when he was in college, and I think that there would have been people just lined up, mainly because if you're going to spend money on an endorsement, right, like what you don't want to do is spend money on a guy who's going to get you in trouble, right? Like you don't want – so he's a guy you don't have to worry about. I think Tim Tebow would have made a ton of money as the guy. Trevor Lawrence is probably a close second for me because he was at Clemson when Clemson was the best. He, you know, he's got the, the long hair, and apparently that's a big deal to people. But, uh, you know, Trevor Lawrence is a guy that was a, that was a second. I don't even want to say he was close second, but he was second. I think that, that Tebow uh, would have been the guy for me. But here's the college story I want to talk to you about, because this one to me is a big deal. And I, I text you this, gosh, just a couple hours before we came on, because I wanted to make sure that we talked about it. Um, how... The news today breaks the Houston Chronicle uh, down here in Houston, Texas, breaks the story that now they didn't give their source, and who knows how true it is. But the, the report is that Texas and Oklahoma have actively been in talks with the SEC, the Southeastern Conference, to form this 16-team power conference. And if you follow college athletics, you know that is a huge deal for those two because it, it has a, a huge effect on a couple of things. If Texas and Oklahoma goes to the SEC and it's a 16-team conference, they could go 14, by the way, and they could kick a couple. Of, there's a couple of schools that they probably could get rid of for different reasons. I don't think they would, but why not? Just keep them. Texas and Oklahoma go on the SEC. You think the SEC is dominant now. It's not so much because Texas and Oklahoma are dominating people in athletics. You just bring in the money. You bring in the recruiting base. You bring in these big uh, the alums and the donors. If Texas and Oklahoma goes to the SEC, the SEC could start their own league, and the Big 12 obviously would probably be dead. Oh, the, the Big 12's dead. The Big 12 may be dead if even one of those leagues. Well, I don't even mean in terms of it, it wouldn't be any good. I mean, they may have to just shut the right. doors. Be, be done. Yeah, I mean, yeah, absolutely. And, you know, and I'm sitting here, you know, you, you sent that to me. It's like, hey, you know, we're going to talk about this. You know, this, this obviously is a big deal. And so I'm sitting there and I'm trying to figure out, okay, what's going on here? And one of the very first things that I saw was the A&M AD coming out and saying, like, listen, we left the Big 12. We want to be the standalone Texas team in the SEC. Um, so then I'm like, okay, well, what, what can this one guy do to stop it? Uh, according to the SEC bylaws, it takes three-fourths, so 11 of the 14 schools, in order to even vote somebody in anyway. Um I don't know. I don't know how those schools would vote. Um, obviously, this is all rumor right now. Um, but it, it, if it is, there's any truth to it whatsoever, that's one of those deals where, like, it is a, a big power play for the SEC. I would think the SEC wants, wants these two schools in there. Like you said, just the revenue side of it. Um, and then, then you throw in the fact that these are two big-time programs. This makes the SEC, if – if there's anybody that was on the fence about whether the SEC was at the top, um, these two schools coming over, it, it's over with. There's, there is zero debate as to who is running college football. So here's the deal. The, 
SEC, it's all about television contracts, right? Like, you know, A&M leaves the Big 12. I don't, you know, I, I'm a University of Texas fan, not an A&M guy. So, I, you know, I think depending on what side of the argument you fall, you, you believe or don't believe different things. Ultimately, the Longhorn Network and the formation of the Longhorn Network and the fact Texas didn't want to give that up really tore apart the Big 12 in terms of Texas A&M and Missouri leaving and then, uh, you know, West Virginia uh, being brought in. Um, but think about the money the SEC can make. I want to tell you this. The SEC just signed a new deal um, with, with CBS, okay? I'm sorry, with ESPN. SEC has been with CBS. In 2014, they signed a deal for $300 million a year. $300 million a year, okay? In 2024, their new deal, their new deal will kick in with ESPN and ABC. Uh, the, the contracts... Um, wasn't it? It, it wasn't uh, the details weren't given. Pardon me, there words were hard. I guess um, we're talking about it being in the mid to high three hundred million dollar range a year for the conference. Now that's without Texas and Oklahoma. Now here's the bad thing for the SEC: they bring these two schools in, right? Like you're not going to be able to uh, bargain for more money. Um, the issue is, I, obviously. Um, ESPN and ABC are not going to be upset if they add two schools, but they're, they're probably not going to pay more money. But the Big 12 television contract runs through 2024, okay? Uh, I'm sorry, I'm reading that wrong. Go ahead. You, you've got the Big 12 TV contract with ESPN and Fox runs through 2025. And That's then you, right. And then you've got the Longhorn Network with ESPN that runs through 2031. So you, you, you've got other things in play, you know, when it comes to uh, – you know, these TV deals and things like that. You've got Fox in play with the Big 12. Um, what's Fox going to do? Are they going to put, you know, TCU against Memphis on? You know, like. Well, the, the Longhorn Network ESPN partnership is good for the SEC if that's what we're right, going to do. Right, right absolutely. Uh, but so the Big 12 contract ends in 2025. So Texas and Oklahoma can't leave until 2025 anyway. So we're looking at a few years down the road before this happens. It would take, I mean, Fox is not going to. I, well, let me say this. They could leave the conference, but their games are not going to be broadcast on ABC and ESPN. Like, Fox has the first rights to those games. So, anyway, it's just something to look out for because uh, I think it means a lot of things for schools. Think about this. Say Oklahoma and Texas go to the SEC. What happens to an Oklahoma State? What happens to a Baylor? What happens to a TCU or an Iowa State? I think there's something like, you know, West Virginia probably goes back to the to – the, uh, to the ACC, maybe I say back to the. They were in the Big East for a long time, but they go probably go to the ACC. You know, there was a rumor in the last realignment phase where Oklahoma State and Tech maybe go to the Pac-12. So I mean, there's all kind of things could happen there. Maybe you have a, like a revitalization of the old um, uh, whack conference you say whatever it is. Uh, I just think it's interesting that that's something that we're looking at, and I think it's an important deal that we need to be looking at as we move forward. Where, as we talk about NIL and we talk about this. You know, little things like Oklahoma being pissed off at Fox for putting their game against Nebraska this year in the 11 o'clock time slot. I mean, that's a historic game in Oklahoma. They're irate about the fact that their game's at 11 o'clock. I, I was actually looking on Twitter and saw that they actually have made posts. Oklahoma people have made posts about the fact that they've played in the 11 o'clock time slot 42 times in like the last nine years, which, you know, for a team that's been in the playoffs as many times as they have, that's probably not right. That, should, that shouldn't be the way it is. Uh, we'll see what happens. The one good thing is they do that. You get Texas and Texas A&M again probably every year. 
uh, as they'd probably be, in, you would hope, you would think, geographically it makes sense for them to be in the same division in the SEC. So it's just something to look at as we go forward. Okay, let's move on and talk a little M, uh, NFL. I told you uh, guys on the show last night, we were going to talk some more NFL. You're excited because this is your uh, world, and we all just kind of live in it. We're going to break down two conferences or two divisions today, um, and we'll spend about, I don't know, 10, 15 minutes on each talking about them. And we're going to talk about the two divisions that teams started training camp today as they're the first two to play the, the Hall of Fame game. I think it's in, what, August uh, August mm. 1st eight, or the 8th? One of the two. Thursday. Or it's the 5th. I'm sorry, it's on Thursday. Yeah. It's on August 5th. Uh, the Cowboys and the Steelers, man, that takes you back a little bit, thinking about those two proud franchises. But we're going to break down the AFC North and the NFC East today. Let's start in the AFC North, and we're going to kind of do a couple different things. Uh, we're going to talk about, number one, we're going to kind of break down how we think the, the division will finish. We'll do a bigger NFL preview show as the season gets very close. And I know that we're looking for, I don't know, we'll have to make sure and block off about four hours for that one because uh, we'll talk, we could talk about that all day. But just kind of a brief, a brief overview, Josh, of who you think or how you think the, the division will play out from one to four. All right. So in the AFC North, I mean, here's the deal. So, so the way I, when I look at the four teams, I'll give you a, a quick, rundown of the four teams then i'll give you my order so like in the ravens um you know you've got a couple years with lamar are are they a one-trick offense uh the steelers you got big ben coming off the elbow injury like does he have one more year in him like does he does he have another great year in him you know this is this is ben freaking roethlisberger like we talked about it last night those guys as they get older they lose a lot um then you've got the browns Seems like everybody's crowning the Browns. Like the Browns are, they always seem to win the offseason. This time it may be a little bit for real. And then you've got the Bengals. Um, if they can protect Burrow, there's a ton of weapons there. Um, so it's just going to be a matter of, of like the Bengals, they're out of it. They're, they're not in the top three conversation. I think you, you back the Steelers out of it. Um, you know, that, that's a very proud franchise. So I think at the bottom you got the Bengals. Uh, you got the Steelers still going to put on a good show, still going to you know have a decent record, um, but I don't think they're in that that number one conversation in the division. Um, then you've got the Browns and Ravens. Um, you know, the one thing that does scare me is is the one trick offense. Um, can Lamar throw it to these guys that they've got him? They got him two receivers in the draft this year. They got him Sammy Watkins. Um, he's got Mark Andrews. Um, so unfortunately, and and. I'm going to have to join the majority and go ahead and crown the Browns. They've got Chubb, they've got Hunt, Odell, uh, Jarvis Landry, Austin Hooper, and Joku, who has not lived up to potential, and they have one of the best young defenses in the league. So at the top, I'm going to go Browns, Ravens, Steelers, and then the Bengals bringing it up. But I do believe that the Bengals are a team to look out for if you're looking at a five-year outlook in that division. You know, personally – you know, here's the thing that frustrates me, and, and I don't think they're going to win the division, but explain to me why everybody is off of – why everybody's off of the Steelers. Like, they lost some offensive line pieces, right? But Ben Roethlisberger kind of gets dumped on. Always. Like – He does. And and he's in the best shape of his life, according to reports. We'll, we'll see if that's true. Uh, if he's healthy he, – you know, he's, he's been very vocal about his mind being clear right now. Like, he feels like he's – uh, as as sharp mentally as he's been, of course. Look, he's old, right? I mean, that's part of it, okay. But I just think that the Steelers. We'll talk about win totals in a minute, but I just I can't count them out yet because as much as I think they could go seven and ten, I think they could also go eleven and six. 
Like right. they're just that kind of team. I have more faith, honestly, in Mike Tomlin than I do any of the rest of the coaches in the league. Or, not in the league, in the division. Maybe, maybe the league. And see, and, and, you, and you got Harbaugh. You got Stefanski, who's a young up-and-comer. Zach Taylor, is that the Bengals coach? Yeah. Came over from the Rams. This is, what, his second, third year? Yeah. Um, so, I mean, you've got, you've got the two young offensive coordinators in Stefanski and Taylor. Um, then you've got Tomlin and Harbaugh, kind of the, the Grizzly veterans in the league. Um, you know, and that's like the Ravens and the Steelers. They still play Raven and Steeler football. Like the games, when when you look at Raven and Steeler games, you look at those two teams matched up against each other. It's very likely you may see a nine to six game, or a, a six to three <laughs> game. Like it, it. I mean, I think we've seen like twelve to ten games. Um, you know, but with, between those two teams, um, like they still play the same style of football that they played in the seventies. Um, and and I hate that I just put the Steelers third because they do have Big Ben. Um, they do have a nice, new, shiny running back in Najee Harris. Uh, but is it, like, is he is he fast Willie Parker? Is he the butts? Like, is he a mixture of both of them? If he's a mixture of both of those guys, um, you know, they do have pieces on offense. They've got, um, you know, an aging Eric Ebron who always seems to find the end zone. Um, they've got Juju. Um, and, and it's one of those deals to where the Steelers are still the Steelers, but I do think the Browns, with all their shiny new toys, and, and, and I, I, I'll even take new out of that, with all their shiny toys that they have, you know, I mentioned those guys. Nick Chubb and Kareem Hunt in the backfield, like that's one of the best tandems in any backfield in the NFL. And then you've got Odell Jarvis Landry to throw the ball to on the outside. And, and yes, it was chronicled last year, you know, Baker forcing the ball to Odell when Odell went out with the injury obviously the offense got better. So there's something there. Was it Baker forcing or, or is it Odell just being Odell? Um, you know, it, it's almost, you look at Odell Beckham and I hate to be so far um, on this side of it, but other than the catch and what one or two good seasons, like he's not the guy that we look at um, that can be that number one guy that, that everybody's scared of. Like, he's not a Devontae Adams. He's not a DeAndre Hopkins. Um, is Odell Beckham, like, one of the best in the world at his position? Nine mm -hmm. out of the 17 games? Probably yes. Um, it, it's if Odell wants to be. Yeah. Well, here, here's how I think it plays out. I think the Ravens win the division. Uh, you know, as much as I like, I mentioned the Steelers, I think, this, I think the Ravens win the division. I think the Browns finished second. I'm not sold. On, I want to see Baker do it again. Like, I want to see Baker Mayfield. You mentioned the weapons they have with Kareem, with, uh, Kareem Hunt and Nick Chubb and Odell Beckham. Right. It could just be a Derek Anderson, Peyton Hillis year last year. Well, I don't think so. <laughs> I don't think so. I think I really think Nick Chubb may be the best running back in the NFL right now. And that's a whole other conversation for another day. Uh, but I think the Browns finished second. I think the Steelers finished third and the Bengals. This is probably the last year you can pencil them in the fourth spot. I think they made some really good – like people were kind of all over them about drafting Jamar Chase this year instead of Panay Sewell. But I think that they're making some really good picks. And I think moving forward, that seems going to be better. It's just not going to be this year. Okay, I told you we're going to do over-under win totals. We're going we're to look at Vegas and what their win totals are. And I want you to tell me over-under. And if you think it's way over, way under, things, whatever you tell me it is – We'll start at the bottom. We, the Vegas number for the Bengals is six and a half wins. 
we both probably say under, under. six and a half. Absolutely under. Yeah, I've got the Bengals at about four wins. Just looking at the schedule, I don't think they win a single division game. And I, I think just they're so far behind right now, but I think they're getting there. I think they probably finish around four wins. Okay, the Steelers, their over-under under total in Vegas is nine, which is a tough number. It's pretty close. I will – I'm going to go under just because of, of the Browns and the Ravens and what I think they're going to do. I think if you were to wager money on this in Vegas, you'd get your money back because I think it's a push. I have them at nine and eight. I think that's probably where they finish up. And that's splitting the road home games with Baltimore and Cleveland in the division. If they were to drop one or pick another one up, then, of course, they're going to be over that number. The Browns are sitting there. The win total in Vegas is at 10. I'll go over. With 17 games, I'll go over there. I'm over two. I actually have them at 12 is where I see um, the Cleveland Browns for the year and the Ravens at 11. That's a high win. I mean, 11 is pretty high, but what do you think? I, I'm, I'm going to hope for a push here, so I guess uh, I'm kind of being noncommittal either way. I'll go over because I do have them finishing second. Um, I do think the Browns um, rack up 12 13. Um, and like I said, I'm pushing for, or I'm going for the push. Uh, I think the Ravens can get 11. I, I told you I had the Browns in second in the division. I had them winning 12 games, so I'm always taking the over. I'm actually going up to 14. I think Baltimore is a 14 and 3 team, and that's losing to the Browns on the road, losing to the Steelers on the road. And then I, uh, I just, I, you know, they're going to drop one somewhere else. I think they could be the number one seed in the AFC playoffs when it comes time. Two other questions about the NFC North I want to ask you. First off, uh, I believe the first question was, what rookie are you looking forward to seeing the most in the division? And see, and I didn't put this in my notes because I wanted it to be like completely off the top of my head. Um, I'm going with the obvious answer, Jamar Chase. Um, like he's one of those dudes that, yeah, he didn't play last year, but like if you look at what he did with Joe Burrow, in 2019 at LSU, like, how do you not be excited about Jamar Chase coming into the NFL this year? Well, I won't go with Jamar Chase then since you did. I think he's going to be phenomenal. I think he's a guy that is going to be fun to watch. A fantasy football player, you probably ought to get him pretty early, especially if you're in a dynasty league. You better jump on him at like one or two because he's going right behind or right in front of the guy I'm going to pick, which is Najee Harris with the Steelers. Not because I'm a big, like, Steeler fan or not even Alabama fan, but because I think a guy, a running back in that offense that's going to get the bulk load that he's going to get, Najee could be uh, – he could have a pretty huge year for the Steelers as a rookie. That's another guy. To me, the top two fantasy football dynasty picks, if you're a fantasy football player, have to be Chase and Harris in one or two. Uh, and that's not counting some of the other guys that have been drafted into that division. Maybe not top first-round talent, but – there's some guys who've been in there the last couple of years that have young talent that's on the way up. Oh, absolutely. And, and you know, we could, just like you mentioned, when we actually do an NFL preview show, we're going to need four hours. Heck, we could probably go eight with fantasy. And so uh, that's that's a conversation for another day. But but I am excited about Chase. Um, I'm excited to watch old, old Najee there in Pittsburgh because they are – I mean, like I said earlier, they're the same team that they've been – forever and that's what they do they ground and pound you yeah you got Roethlisberger that can throw it over the top he can get it to Juju in the middle um but but if you if you envision the Steelers and and again even the Ravens um that's what they are their defense 
They're going to run it down your throat, and they're going to they're going to keep just ramming it down your throat until you know they get that big play to break off. Um, and you know, you mentioned those other up and coming guys. You know, J.K. Dobbins is another one of those guys um, in that Ravens offense. Another he was drafted last year. Uh, another one of those guys that you got to be super excited about. Um, you know, there with with Baltimore. Uh, I, I think this division um, is stacked at running back uh, with with Mixon, Chubb, Hunt, uh, Harris, and Dobbins, um, and so so I mean it's it's definitely one of those when you think toughness, this division comes to mind in the NFL, and and you know you lean on the on the Steelers and the Ravens with that, uh, but the Browns and the Bengals are getting there. Um, as well, you know, we, we've we've talked about how the Bengals are up and coming. Um, I, I do really feel like within the next three to five years, we're talking about the Bengals at the top of this division, um, as opposed to as opposed to just chalking them in at four. Anything interesting about the division? I know you've said a lot about the division, and, and it's interesting. We haven't talked a lot about Joe Burrow. I'm interested to see how Joe Burrow takes a step forward in year number two. I think, you know, I think Joe Burrow is going to have a heck of a career, and I think. He's gonna. I don't think he's gonna be great yet. I don't think he's gonna be even really good this year. But I think he's gonna be a lot better and on that on that path. Oh, absolutely. I mean, if you think about Joe Burrow, um, and you know, you mentioned in the draft, the Bengals kind of got a little bit of flack for going with Chase instead of Sewell um, because that's that's the one thing that from the time Burrow got hurt up until the time the Bengals made the pick on Chase, and and heck, even after it's. How do you keep Joe Burrow upright? Yeah, you can get him Jamar Chase. You can get him this guy to throw the ball to. But but if he's on his back, it doesn't matter. If he's running for his life, it doesn't matter. Um, and that'll come. You know, I, heck, I'm a Jets fan. Offensive lines, I don't even – those don't exist. What me. are those? Yeah. Yeah. And so, so I mean, when, when you give a guy that has the talent that Burrow has – um, and I don't think he's unlocked his full potential. You know, like you said, he, he, may, he may not even be great this year, but the guy's got a ton of potential. And you give a guy, Tyler Boyd, T. Higgins, Jamar Chase, Joe Mixon in the backfield, um, you know, tight end, we're not even going to go there. Drew Sample and uh, I can't, Uzama. <laughs> um, and so, but, but you give that guy that kind of talent, it will manifest itself. Um, you know, obviously he does need a line to protect him, but Joe Burrow's got some talent, um, and and him and the weapons that the Bengals have kind of assembled on that team is kind of the reason why I see the Bengals making that leap within the next three to five years and kind of becoming the team that we're talking about for the next, you know, five to, to eight to ten after that being at the top. They're going to have a shot. I, I'm excited about what the Bengals do. Okay, let's move on. Let's move on to the other division we're going to talk about tonight, the NFC East. Real quick, we'll talk about – uh, kind of how you see uh, the order in the NFC shaking out this year. Oh, this is an ugly division. And, and what's crazy is, and, and obviously I'm not a Cowboys fan, but what's crazy is, is is this division always has potential to be one of the best. But then when you think, when like just when you think it's going to be one of the best, it ends up being you hope somebody's over 500 that makes the playoffs, that wins the division. And – to me, at the bottom of this division is is the Philadelphia Eagles. And I may be taking the easy road there, but you got Jalen Hurts, not a ton of experience. I love the dude in college. Love the dude. Great attitude. Um, I've, I've always liked Jalen Hurts from when he was at Bama, then at OU, um, and kind of how everything was handled last year with him. 
Um, but but who's he throwing the ball to? Um, well, I'm going to talk about that in a minute. <laughs> like, they got one guy. You got Jalen Rager? Well, they got one more guy. They got Devontae Smith. Yeah, well, and Devontae Smith, but Devontae Smith's one hit away from, like, literally being broken in half. Like, <laughs> I weighed more than Devontae Smith when I was a sophomore in high school. Um, you know, Devontae Smith, yeah, that dude, yes, Heisman Trophy winner, Alabama. You know, we've talked about Bama. Um, so you've got Devontae Smith. You've got Jalen Rager. Jalen Rager was supposed to be, you know, better than he was last year. Uh, you don't know where Zach Ertz is going to be. Is he going to be in Philly? Um, and so I've got them at the bottom. Um, next up, I've got the Giants. And it's only because I feel, pun intended, that Danny Dimes is going to trip them up. <laughs> and, and you don't know about Saquon. Saquon's been very noncommittal about how healthy he is and when he's going to be back to full strength. Um, yes, the guy's got quads the size of my body, but, but knees are tricky. Um, not everybody's Adrian Peterson. And, you know, you've got Danny Dimes, hasn't really proven anything. He's had spurts where he's looked really good, uh, but you got Saquon not, don't know if he's going to be healthy. And then health being another factor in one of their biggest free agent acquisitions on the offensive side of the ball and Kenny Galladay. Like, you don't know if he's going to suit up for all 17 games. He... When Kenny Galladay's on the field, I don't care who's throwing him the ball. The dude's a beast. But, but Kenny Galladay's got to stay on the field. Uh, so I've got them at third. Um, I've got the Redskins, you know, coming in at second. I don't oh, think time out. Football team. Oh, sorry. The football team. Uh, I actually wrote Redskins on my note. Um, but so, and I may have done that intentionally just so I would read it that way. So I've got the Washington football team coming in at second. I don't think they're close to Dallas. Um, and... It, it all comes down to Ryan Fitzpatrick. I've had Fitzmagic on my team. Um, can he do it again? You know, they've got Antonio Gibson, bright young running back. Um, they've got Terry McLaurin, scary Terry. Um, you know, they've got some young pieces, uh, but then you're throwing, again, you're throwing Fitzmagic in there. Dude has a blast on the football field, probably the most fun of anybody that I've ever watched. Yeah. Um, but I don't think they're close to the Cowboys. Um, so, obviously, I've got the Cowboys at the top. Um, you know, the the Cowboys, Dak's coming back. That means Zeke's going to eat. Um, and and they are by far the team to beat in the NFC East. Yeah, I think there are two. I, I think you and I agree on two things here. Philadelphia, I think, brings up the rear of the division. I think Dallas is at the top, and I have a bunch of reasons. Mainly I'm a fan, and I'm going to believe it every year. And because the last time the Milwaukee Bucks won the NBA Finals, the Cowboys won the Super Bowl. So we got that to look forward to. But I think – where we differ are the two teams in the middle. I think Washington is a team, for whatever reason, I just think is going to get passed up by the Giants this year. And you're right, the Barkley situation, how healthy is Saquon, that's going to be a huge deal for the Giants. If he's not, if he can't go week one, I'll be honest, you and I played together in a couple of fantasy football leagues and dynasty leagues that I took a chance on you're Saquon. I, because I just figured, you know, the guy's going to be back. Yeah, you're starting 0-1. If it, yeah, if play. he doesn't come back, I'm hurting on my fantasy team, but I think that the Giants are really in a bind if he doesn't come back. I mean, they got rid of Wayne Gallman. Wayne Gallman's down in San Francisco, so they've had that guy behind Barkley for so long that now they don't even have that. And so, But if he's healthy, I, see, I think, I think Daniel Jones is a guy that the last few weeks of 2020 kind of started to figure it out. And, and he's one of the most polarizing guys in the NFL, like – you either think Daniel Jones is going to be okay or you think he's going to be really bad. I personally think he's going to be better than Eli Manning in terms of what he does for the Giants 
as a career. Eli Manning won a couple of Super Bowls. Is Daniel Jones going to win a couple of Super Bowls? I don't know. I don't think he is, but I think he has that potential. Like, I think he's good enough. If Barkley's healthy and Barkley can run the football, they can win with him. Kadarius Toney, you mentioned Kenny Galladay, those guys, Evan Ingram at tight end. They got some weapons there, and I think they're going to be better coached as Joe Judge kind of moves along in his career as a Giants coach, right? Like, I think they're gonna he's going to figure some things out. He was in New England for so long, he knows the Belichick way. And you as a Jets fan know this more than anybody, the Belichick way works if you do it right. And you look at Mike Vrabel, who came from the, the Patriots tree, right? They did well. Bill O'Brien, even if you're a Texans fan and you think the Texans were awful Bill O'Brien, they were still a pretty good team with Bill O'Brien as the head coach, right? So – I think the Giants are going to figure it out. I think better. And listen, there's not a person you know that hates the New York Giants more than I do as a Cowboy fan. Like, you've been around me in some situations when the Cowboys and Giants were on TV that it was not safe for people under the age of probably 30 to hear the things that were coming out of my mouth because of it, right? Like, I hate the Giants. I hated Jeremy Shockey, by the way. I hated Eli Manning. But Eli, you have to respect what Eli Manning did as a Giants quarterback. The mouth breather. He was a mouth breather. But I think the Giants end up second and the football team finishes third. Over-under totals. I, I want to – Say this, the top team, and we're going to start from top to bottom because I want to talk about the bottom one for a minute. Cowboys are listed at over nine and a half wins. What do you think? Over. That, that number could have been 12 or 13, and I'm going over. I think they're over two. I actually have them at 12, and I know I'm a Cowboy fan, and look, people are going to say, oh, you're just on the Cowboys. Like, I told you last night on the show, and if you listened last night, you heard me say this, Dak Prescott is going to have a phenomenal year. Like, I just, I'm just feeling it. He's the guy you want to have, okay? Next team on the list, the Washington football team is – the Vegas total is eight. Eight wins on the board for the football team. Mm, over. I'm going to go over. I got it as a push. I think they're going to finish at eight and nine. I think they're going to finish third in division at eight and nine. So, I'll, I'll go – I'm going to say under because I think, I think even eight is probably generous – uh, in that situation, that's giving them two wins over the Eagles, which I think is probably a given. But those rivalry games are always—you almost always need to consider that a split in that division. Next is the New York Giants; they're sitting at seven on the board in Vegas. That's a tough number. I'll go first. I got them at over. I got them at nine and eight. I got them second in the division at nine and eight. I'm going to go under. I'm going to go under. I, I'm scared about Saquon. Saquon, Saquon suiting up week one, that, that changes for me. But I'm scared about Saquon. You're right. I mean, if Barkley's not healthy, the number goes down, for sure. Because without the running game, Daniel Jones will not be as effective as Daniel Jones could be. I mean, you're right on the money there. The Eagles, they're at six and a half. It's actually the third lowest over-under total, six and a half. And I think this is a slam dunk, no-brainer. you got to take the under. Oh, I, they may get three wins. I have them at two and 15. And I feel like I gave them one somewhere, so they weren't one in sixteen because I thought, surely they're not that bad. But I really think that the Eagles, first off, they have a head coach who, if you've heard him talk, if you heard the press conferences, <laughs> I'm not sure he knows what he's in for. Like Nick Sirianni may be a great dude, and if you're listening, to Nick Sirianni, thanks for listening. We'll have you on the show, but he hasn't done well in interviews. He hasn't done well in press conferences. I'm not sure how this is going to go for them. Yeah. Well- Nick Sirianni came from Indy, yep. correct? Yep. Um, by the uh, way, the Colts won the trade, by the way, between Wentz and the head coach coming over. Uh, I would take Wentz over the coach. Oh, well, absolutely. And, you know, it, it all comes down to me. You got Hurts, who doesn't have a ton of experience, uh, period. Um, you, you've got a crowded backfield. You've got Miles Sanders, on Johnson, Kenneth Gainwell. 
Um, you got a bunch of guys that all do the same thing in the backfield. Um, and again, who's Hurts going to throw the ball to? Um, I, I believe this offense is going to turn into and kind of morph into a poor man's Baltimore Ravens offense, um, and and they're not going to be successful. The problem with is it. who's going to run the football for them? You know, I right. mean, Absolutely. they don't even have running backs. I think their best weapon is the guy they just drafted, and it leads into my next question, which is what Ricky looking forward to, and it's got to be Devontae Smith. The Heisman Trophy winner comes to Philadelphia. If they can get the ball to him, the dude's liable to have 100 catches and 1,200 yards and 10 touchdowns. The dude's a freak athlete. I'm anxious to see what his size looks like in the NFL because he's a little guy, right? I mean, if a strong wind blows him away there in, 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 in Philadelphia, he's in trouble. But to me, he's the one I'm looking forward to watching. My rookie to look forward, and and maybe this is the fantasy side of it coming out in me, um, but the receiver, Dynamy Brown, is that his name? Yeah. Uh, for for Washington, like the kid's explosive. Like I'm actually looking forward to seeing this guy. Um, he may start the year out as the number four receiver in, in Washington, which is not a good thing because there's not a lot in front of him. <laughs> um, but but I think the kid's going to be able to morph. Um, into something there for Washington. They've got a history, like Cam Sims was a weapon for them last year. Um, that's not a good thing. Um, and and look what they did. Yes, their record wasn't the best in the world, but look what they did. They didn't have Dak to compete with. Um, but I do believe this guy's better than Cam Sims. Um, I think he's got a, the potential to be a really good wide receiver, too, in the league. Yes, we're talking about, you're talking about Devontae Smith. That guy's that guy's a one, um, but I kind of like the underdog in this situation. I like Brown with Washington, and and I am looking forward to to being able to I guess really watch him more um, because you didn't really get to see him a whole lot in college. Yeah, third round pick by the way, uh, pick number eighty two overall in North Carolina. Good pick. The other the other one I wanted to go with, and I I, I said Devonte Smith because it's the truth. I figured you might go with Devonte, so I actually picked another rookie. And yes, call me a homer. But Micah Parsons in Dallas, how does he fit in with Jalen Smith and Leighton Vander Esch? I know we talk a lot about offense because that's important, right? But how Parsons fits in. Also, Shimmy Fajoko, receiver that Dallas drafted out of Stanford. First off, the dude's a social media hero. Like, he's fun. Uh, if you're on TikTok, find him because he's fun to watch. But he could fit in that offense. Like, I think him and Dak have a great relationship kind of forming already. And in an offense that doesn't have a lot of opportunities now because you got Zeke and Amari and C.D. Lamb and Michael Gallup, who's going to get the ball? He's a guy that you better look out for. Maybe not early in the year, but I would be, I would be interested to see what he looks like in the preseason because I think by the time the season ends, Shimmy Fajoko is going to get some catches for the Cowboys. He, he could be a Victor Cruz type guy. You know, Victor Cruz, what, two preseasons in a row? Yeah. Killed it. That after that first preseason, he killed it. He's not on the Giants roster. He's, he's a nobody. You only heard about him. In that preseason, the next preseason, he comes out, kills it again, and then it's Victor Cruz. It's salsa time. Everybody can look at Victor Cruz in the face and know who Victor Cruz is. Um, and, and I, you know, again, Simi is kind of like, like Brown for me. You know, Brown probably had a little bit more clout in college. Um, he He's going to get more opportunities. Right. Well, and, and Brown was one of those guys. Like, he was looked at as, you know, he wasn't in that first tier of – of wide receivers in this draft, but Brown was a really good college wide receiver. Like he put up stats um, yeah. on a team that ran the ball a lot with that two-headed monster they had there in Javante Williams and, and Michael Carter. 
We'll see. It's interesting. So that's the NFC East and the AFC North, and we'll talk more divisions as we go along. Uh, as we mentioned last night, the the kind of the – I told somebody today, like the one thing I want to have because I want to make sure that we kind of have something unique, right? And we're going to do a top five list every time at the end of our show, but we're going to call it the final five. This is going to take up the final five minutes of our show, so we're just a couple of minutes away from kicking that off. But what I do want to make sure and do is, as I mentioned – uh, at the beginning of the show, a couple of hours of talk still left tonight. Uh, Beyond the Buzzer follows us here on the Bench Sports app uh, at 10 Eastern, 9 Central time where we're at. And then average takes tonight at 11 p.m. Eastern, uh, 10 p.m. Central time. So two more hours. What a great Wednesday night here on the Bench Sports app. And we hope you're enjoying it. We mentioned last night this thing. I, there's a group chat, uh, a Discord with all the, the broadcasters on the side. And I told them last night, kind of the joke of the last couple of years, but I said bench sports to the moon. I think we're headed there. Uh, this thing's taken off, and there's a lot of talent here. If you've, if you've been listening all day, uh, I've, had an, I've had a chance to listen to a little bit today, not just a ton, but I'm just telling you, get on board and get on board now. But beyond the buzzer next, and an average takes follows that uh, here on the Bench Sports app on uh, this Wednesday night. And, of course, we won't be back with you until next week. That's going to be a, di a different – Phil next week. It's going to be kind of a road show. I'm going to be in Las Vegas next week for the two shows. Uh, you'll be here in Texas, and so uh, we'll be kind of figuring that time zone difference out and how that's going to work out for us. Uh, we're actually together in studio tonight uh, and as opposed to last night uh, over Zoom and, and all the technology you can do that now. I guess the one good thing from COVID is we learned how to do all this technology to be able to do this, but um, we're together tonight, not next week, and then we'll be back together uh, the weeks after that. Okay, our final five tonight as we enter the final five minutes of the show. Top five NFL helmets of all time. This ought to be good. And last night, you know, we didn't have many that matched. I think we will tonight. Josh, your number five NFL helmet of all time. There's going to be a theme in mine. Okay. Um, my number five, 65-73 to AFL Buffalo Bills. White helmet, red buffalo on the side. Classic, awesome. We get to see it every once in a while. Uh, awesome helmet. I love it. The bill's all white like that is legit. Number five helmet for me. I mentioned this to me. This is going to, you're going to, when I say this, you're going to look at me like I'm an idiot. Number five helmet for me, 80s and 90s New York Giants helmets. The blue where helmets Giants? where it says Giants on the side. I like those. Tiki Barber. When they wear, you know, the Giants wear those color rush throwbacks now with the solid whites and they have those helmets. Those to me are some of the best helmets ever. Some of you guys listening may have heard this, and, and me and Josh, I know, grew up with these things. But the starting lineup action figures they used to have, those Giants helmets, they were just so sweet. Right. Anyway. You got Lawrence Taylor's helmet and that, yeah. That's right. Okay, here we go. Number four. Okay, I'm being a homer. I actually had this at one, then I was like, ah, I can't be that guy. I went with the 78 to 97 Altoon Green Jets Man. helmet. The, you know, People always ask me, how did Josh become a Jets fan? And there's actually a, a, a one <laughs> on the wall here where we're at because you are a Jets fan. But I remember, of course, this is the new one that we're looking at instead of the old one, but that was the helmet when you became a fan. The Adrian Morrell, Ken O'Brien, Boomer Esiason, Vinny Testaverde Jets, the green helmets. Ke even Keyshawn. Like, Keyshawn Man, started out in those. Those things right there are absolutely outstanding. I'm with you. I, I don't have those on my list, but they should. Okay, number four for me. 
the Atlanta Falcons red throwback helmets. Oh, how did I forget those? When, when they wore those back in the 80s and 90s, they were phenomenal before they went to all black. I'm not a fan of the Falcons all black stuff. What about their gradient uniforms now? Like, those are no, amazing. No, no, thank you. No, thank you. But the red helmets, <laughs> those are great. Okay, number three for you. I can't believe that they they made it to my list, but the New England Patriots, 61 to 92, the white with what what do they call him, Mr. Pa- Patriot? Patriot or, Pete or something Pete, like that. Yeah, yeah <laughs> whatever it is. But you're right. Those are those are legit. And by the way, on Madden, those may be the best throwback uniforms. Yeah, when they wear that red. Oh, yeah. Okay, number three for me. It's a classic, the Dallas Cowboys. Like, there's just something about the way, if it's a night game, the way the lights shine on that helmet that makes it the one of the most amazing sights in sports, the Dallas Cowboy helmet. Number three for me. Uh, I, guess, I would say their only helmet, but they wore the white ones. And by the way, I like the, the white throwbacks, but the, the silver domes are the best. Number two for you. Tennessee for one year, but for the other years, 1980 to 1998, Houston Oilers, like Warren Moon wearing that helmet with the with the baby blue tops, like that helmet is iconic. Listen, I'm, I have not seen your list, and you have not seen my list. We're dead on the money together here, and I, I would venture to say we're probably dead center on number one, but number two, the Houston Oilers helmets for me, you mentioned the Warren Moon days, the baby blue uniforms, the red stripe and the red face mask, those things, phenomenal. Number one, I'm going to go let you take because I've got a feeling, I still haven't looked at your list. We're sitting here in the room together. I haven't seen your list. Number one for you. 76 to 95, Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Absolutely. Absolutely. Those helmets are phenomenal. And I'll never forget watching uh, Trent Dilfer or Vinny Testaverde or those guys. Now, I will say this. When the Buccaneers first changed from those crimson uniforms to the red and the pewter look, the Mike Allstott, the Warwick Dunn days, I was a big fan of those too. But if you want to talk about the best helmets in the NFL of all time, and I'm excited they changed the rule and those guys are going to get to have those helmets back if they choose to uh, next year as we're going to be able to have more than one helmet. Uh, the Patriots, I mean the, the Buccaneers, almost the Patriots, I was thinking Tom Brady, but the, uh, the Buccaneers creamsicle helmets, absolutely the best. Can you imagine Derrick Henry wearing a, a Houston Oilers helmet and and the baby blues? Like it's going to bring back some memories for some old guys that are watching football. Absolutely. Well, we've done it. Episode two is in the books. About forty seconds left here. Make sure you tune in next. Beyond the buzzer is coming up next. They're going to talk about the NBA Finals and the top ten players going into next year. We're not huge NBA guys, but I'm going to tune in. I want to hear what what Dave and the gang has to say here on Beyond the Buzzer and who their top ten players went into and about the finals. What a finals it was, but it's over, and that means it's NFL time. Training camps have started. We're talking more football as we move along here. College football, NFL football. We'll get into the baseball playoffs. All that coming your way on the On the Board show here on the Bench Sports app. Make sure and tune in. Join us every week. We'll be 